I went in and I pitched Earth Girls because we thought of the movie while we were writing the song. Okay. And I pitched it and they bought it in the room, which wow. never happens. Oh, never what does happens. that feel like? It's crazy. It's like you go, oh my God, show business is easy. I can do anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final final girl. Hi guys, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry and I'm Julie. Uh, and we are very excited. We have a very special guest today. Terry, take it away. Oh my gosh, you guys, we are so happy to have the iconic Julie Brown as our guest today. She's a oh, comedian, actress, you. singer, star of stage and screen from comedy classics like Earth Girls Are Easy, Clueless, and Medusa, Dare to be Truthful, the amazing spoof on Madonna's Truth or Dare, and so many other comedy videos and horror horror cult classic bloody birthday and of course <laughs> just say julie and julie brown the show and honestly she's done our dream job um a guest judge on rupaul's drag race the incredible julie brown is here hi. today hi you guys thank you so much that was so sweet um uh, i i forgot some of those things but thank <laughs> you <laughs> We're just here to take you down memory lane today, yeah, Miss Julie like, Brown. We oh, are just like right. I did that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's many weird. things. You forget things in your career. Like you I mean, of course I can remember them when someone talks about them, but you don't think about them. You know what I mean? So like well, you've had of- such a whirlwind career. You have a, like a billion things to remember. Like I'm yeah. sure it's a lot. It is. And I've been meaning to write a book about it because yes. I I think about stuff that happened. I go, oh my God, I have to write that down. That is insane. And I mean, because the collection of being with all these various people and them being so insane, it should be written down and people should read about it. Like there. one example, I did this movie called Fat Rose and Squeaky, which was like an independent, a sweet independent film. And I thought it was going to be, oh, just like, you know, really sentimental and sweet. I play the imaginary char- character of Louise Fletcher, you know, yes. Ratchet, right. Yeah. And Cicely Tyson's the other woman in it. She plays the other, um, they're, they're like old lady friends. Well, Cicely Tyson, you think, Oh, she's going to be incredible. She's going to be amazing. She's insane. And a crazy bitch. <laughs> and <I'm- laughs> he, me and Del- Leah Delaria were playing the imaginary friends of, of oh, yeah, yes. yeah and uh, Cecily kicked us out of our dressing room because she wanted a room for just her wigs so oh. we're like oh my god we really and then and then I got kicked out into this other separate room and then Leah decided she was so upset she needed her own room so I got kicked out again <laughs> <laughs> it's there's so many insane just that movie like the uh, makeup girl was so crazy. She got really mad at this one actress who kept demanding things. So she, I come in one day and she goes, you know what I did? I go, what? She goes, I washed her brushes in the toilet bowl. And then I did her makeup. 
And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> can you believe that? I mean, wow. I know that's just one project and there's so much more. Even This from is that a one. movie. I know. Like, that's a scene in a movie. I know because the thing is, if you read the script, it's like, just the sweetest movie about these two old ladies and their friendship, you know, and then you go, it couldn't really go like this. This, this is impossible. Right. So um, I will eventually write it all down because it is funny. Yes, please. And I think that yeah. that's the funny thing about Hollywood is like these things happen that you're like, oh, that happens in a movie. And you're like, no, 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 it really happens in real life. And like, but it's, I feel like it's kind of an honor to be like, oh, I worked with this person and they were like a super bitch. And you're like, oh, I feel kind of good about it because now I've lived that Hollywood story. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't feel bad about it. It just, well, I did once I got completely kicked out of all the dressing rooms because <laughs> then I was, I was changing in one of the crew members house who lived down the street. And I went, this is really messed up. So um, wow. yeah, but, but otherwise I found it delightful and, and so weird, you know? That's and so fun. great. I love, I love this. Cause I honestly, I got snubbed once by Madonna Ooh. and like, oh. I feel like talking to you today is like retribution. Cause I was like, I got to meet nice version of Madonna Medusa <laughs> right now. And this feels like a little bit of like Hollywood. I don't know, like retribution. So I'm very right. excited. What did she do? You have to tell me what she did. Well, you know, I was just like working at the Virgin Megastore, like at the turn of the century when the album mm -hmm. music came out. And like, I did not need to work that day, but she was doing a signing. And I was like, I was obsessed with her. Like I, for my middle school air band did Madonna. Like I called it another shade of Vogue because I am black. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and I did like a spoof, like I like in honor kind of a UN her. Like I was like, we got to do it. Right. And uh -huh. I spent my childhood. And so I waited that day to meet her. She was with Guy Ritchie at the time. And I was down in the basement where they were going to sneak her out. And I was like, okay, no one's down. There's literally, it's the only place where they don't pump music in the store. So it's completely silent. I was like, hey, Madonna, thank you for coming to our store today. She's literally a few feet away from me. I'm not a quiet person. She can definitely hear me. Didn't even flinch. Didn't even turn. Nothing. And just walked oh. right past me and went out the door. And my little childhood heart was just like, took me 10 years before I could listen to her. <laughs> oh, my God. I believe that I've heard so many stories about her since I mean we were on the same record label and I kept hearing stuff about her which is partly why I wanted to do um well I'm obsessed with her too but I wanted to do a spoof of her because she's crazy I mean not that that's a surprise but right but, like I was I wrote a song with Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly who wrote like a virgin right and yes. um I was when I was working with them I go well did you ever meet her and, and Billy goes yeah I did at a party and I go, what happened? He goes, well, I went up to her and I went, hi, Madonna. I'm Billy Steiberg. I wrote Like a Virgin. And she goes, so? And that <gasps> was it. That was it. So you go, wow. That like, wow, right? How could you do that? Wow. <laughs> it takes so little to be nice. I don't understand. Like all Terry needed was like a smile in that hallway. Like, even if she had waved to me, like, you know what I mean though? Like, or, like, or turned and even smiled and just walked away. I would have been like, she smiled at me. Like yeah. I got touched by like the Pope, you know, like kind of yeah. a moment, but it was like, nope. Anything like any, some, you know, recognition that you're a human being, right. That would have worked. Yeah. I know. I know. So well, what what is it like for you getting approached by fans? Well, in general, I think because I do comedy, um, mostly people are really sweet, you know, um, and they compliment you and I'm nice to them because I think it's really terrible to 
be rude. Plus they're thanking you for your work essentially. Right. So I'm, I'm just nice about it. You know what I mean? I don't like you have to, and I learned that early on when I was on MTV, that was probably the most where I got suddenly bombarded by people right. recognizing me. And I would just go, Oh, hi, nice to meet you and shake their hand. And like, if you, if you acknowledge that they're this person who's, you know, thanking you, I think that's makes people that's enough. Like they don't expect you to do a lot more, right. Than just talk to them for a minute and be nice to them. Yeah. So I just thought when I've seen people be mean, it's just so horrible to me that I never, I just could never act like that. So I just accept it. Oh. Thing right, my heart is warm just hearing you talk about this right now. It's so funny too because I have so many friends that are like super fans of you. And I, when I oh. when I found out you were going to talk with us, I actually reached out to one of them and I asked her a question. It's my friend. Um, she's a drag queen in New York, Paige Turner. Oh, um, I think I've seen her on something or something. I've seen something with that name. I'm sure she's yeah. iconic. So it, like she's just loves you. But she wanted to know: um, Is there a mockumentary that? you've put off doing or anything else because Medusa is still her favorite thing ever oh. with love page Turner. That's what she says. <laughs> oh my God. That's so sweet. Well, here's the thing. I wanted to do like a sequel of that for years, right? Forever. Mm -hmm. The thing is I did Showtime did that in the beginning and Showtime doesn't really do things like that anymore. So I'm like, I, I pitched it a few places and they're like, Oh yeah, it's a great idea, but you're, they're not giving you the money. So I start, I'm going to, I was about to, when the pandemic started, do like um, my own version, like a web series of it. Ooh. And then the pandemic. So my plan, we're going to start doing some like Medusa doing Zoom calls to her assistants. <gasps> yes. Yeah. We're going to do that. And then eventually, you know, I want to do a web series because there's so much to say about her, you know, over the years. I mean, She's always doing something completely insane and delightful. And so I'm going to, I want to still do that. Absolutely. Um, there's so many things I want to do. It's just hard because you can't do everything and not everybody will finance everything. So, you know. Sure. So, so we, we know, we know about the web series. We know about the book. What else? You got, you must have so much. Oh, well, I, I actually have been writing a young adult book that I finished. Oh, tell yeah. me, tell us, please. Well, I can't tell you very much about it, but um, just that I did it. Um, it's about a girl in high school. <laughs> I can't end magic, but um, ooh, ooh, but I, I like wanted to write something from like how I remember how I felt in high school, and when you suddenly realize, like you, like there's a guy that's her friend, and then mm -hmm. he leaves for a little while and he comes back, and she is like totally wants to fuck him. And that like, that's so surprising that that comes over you. You're like, oh my God, this was my friend. And now I want to fuck him. So yeah, everything I, changes. Yes. Right. So I wrote about that and it, it just was really fun. I've, I've written so much and I wanted to write something that I had total control of. Yes. Right. Because even though Medusa, they didn't give me any notes. Showtime didn't give me any notes. They still ultimately have control because they have the money and they throw their opinion in sometimes, but they were pretty, actually for that special, they were pretty wonderful. So that's why I'm doing this. So tell us then, so what, what was your high school experience like? Well, that guy that I'm talking about specifically, oh, a he real was person? a real person. <laughs> he was like, I thought he was my best friend because he was really funny and he liked me and he's always like, well, I really like you. And I'm like, oh no. Okay. We're just friends. 
And then he went to another high school that we knew each other in junior high. He went to another high school and over that summer, he just became like an Adonis, right? (laughs) And I, so hot. And then when I saw him, I'm like, oh my God. And then I realized I had to, I had to make the move because I'd already turned him down a bunch. So I, I did and it worked and he was my boyfriend for two years. Yeah. Yeah. So it it worked, it worked out, but it was just so surprising to me, the feeling of being overwhelmed by that, the, you know, the first time, that's the first time that happened to me. So I thought I want to write about that because I haven't read, you know, teenagers talking about the change, that change that much, just, you know, they're all horny. They just start off horny, but you aren't all horny all the time. Right. No, no, everyone no. has that first moment of you're like, oh my, oh, hello. oh my God, what is that? I know it's pretty shocking. I hope my son is upstairs. Okay, yes, he is. Because okay. <laughs> we want to, we, we like the dirty stuff. We can get in. Yes, there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nitty gritty. Oh my gosh. Oh, speaking of that, you know, he's never. I don't even know if he knows about Bloody Birthday. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's never seen it, but um, um, we had so much fun. I've because I've seen it in college. We watched it again for the show, and just watching you dance is like the best thing ever. <laughs> I just want to watch that scene on loop. Thank you. I I, I listened to your thing about it. it was re- I thought it was really good. Thank and you. It made me remember a lot about it. It was such a weird shoot too, because the director Ed Hunt, complete, some kind of complete perv. Okay. Yeah, I think that's obvious in that film. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Yeah. And once I got the part, they go, well, we have to see a topless photo of you. And I go, well, why? And they go, well, you know, to make sure like you don't have like a weird boob or something. Mm -hmm. So I had to go in there and take my top off. And it was so weird. And you just, and he looked really, really nervous. And I, you know, I did the part. And then when I was going to do it, I, I felt like I want to make this so it's not super um, gross. So I they let me pick the music and I picked Blondie, Call Me, but I don't think they use that in the movie. But I danced to that. And I also said, I want to be eating Oreos because that's kind of funny. Right? <laughs> yes. And they, they let me. I think he was so nervous and so intimidated by the whole thing that he let me do whatever I wanted. And they did a closed set, which was good. Um, so it wasn't terrible to do, but, but he was just creepy. So <laughs> you, you I'm glad you had, had control on that though. That sounds great. I'm glad it's you not, got the Oreos in there. That's, that's, that's I know. I was like, how can I make this kind of silly and funny to me at least? Right. Yeah. You put your stamp on it. You put yeah. your, your, that's like the, the joy of, of just Julie. You're like, you put, you bring the fun to everything and like touches like that is what makes it. So <laughs> uh, and you get a super iconic horror death with arrow through, I know. Hole, which I, I talked to a lot of people about that. And they're like, they have specific fears of looking through knot holes because of that movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's really funny. Isn't that funny? Cause I don't really have that fear and I guess I should. But if anybody should, it should be you. Yeah. You yeah. survived it, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And it was so funny because when you do something like that, you're you of course don't think anyone's ever gonna see this or hear about it, much less that it's gonna come back in thirty years or whatever it is and people will talk to you about it. That's well, so surprising. 
But that's the wonder of film, though, isn't it? Is this form yes. of immortality that, like, not only you know you will live on forever in this film that will live on forever, and that's uh, the beauty of this. And there's also this form of time travel, right? You can go back, watch yourself then. Your son can watch you then. Like, it's this kind of thing of the amazingness of cinema. Yes, no except I'll kind. never let him watch it. I'll never let him no, watch I, it. No, I would not suggest this one for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he would make things a little awkward, but yeah, you know. He doesn't really like watching my stuff. And I know that's weird, but I think it's because I'm his mom. Right. So yeah. watching me be these weird characters who do strange things or even sexual things, it makes him feel weird, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't put any pressure on him to watch anything I've done. You know, it's like, why force him? He'll, he'll get to it someday. I'm sure when yeah. he wants to. Um, the music and, videos and his, are fun. and Exactly. Yeah. His friends talk to him about it. So oh, I, I bet. The, I was just yeah. going to ask. I was like, yeah. I bet he's got a friend who's like a big fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the hot mom. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, so, <laughs> so I, uh, my name is Julia, uh, but I went by Julie uh, growing up. So mm-hmm. uh, the fact that there was a show called Just Say Julie, very excited about that. So I was like, oh, it's a kinship. Here we go. So <laughs> tried to, as a kid, like model myself fashion wise, because I was like, that fashion is awesome. Like never seen something so bitching. So went on and got like the crinolines and the leggings. And I was like, get the hair, like the whole bit. And so it was it was very influential to me. I just want to let you know oh, that thank you. <laughs> from one well, Julie to another. Thank you so much. Well, it was, I just tried to think like, how can this be fun? Cause I'm just kind of a clown. So I wasn't trying to be fashion forward or anything. I was just trying to make it look fun. And the woman who designed my set, you know, Allie Willis, Mm-mm. you know, who she mm-hmm. is, she wrote neutron dance and Oh, oh yeah. I love great that song. Artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, um, like the song September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, she's oh, an amazing oh, songwriter, song. right? And but and she's also was this incredible artist. So I just told her, I go, just make the set, just put anything crazy in there, and and she just completely designed the set. So I felt like the what we were always going for was just for it to be really fun, you know, just fun. And, and it is nailed it. All, you know, the you. color, the color, and the energy is so exciting. So can you tell us about how that came to be? Yeah. Um, what happened was I had released um, this album, Trapped in the Body of a White Girl, that wow. was on Sire Record, on Madonna's label. And they can we talk about how me, Can we talk about how that happened? I mean, oh, how that happened. Okay, well, I had re- first I had released um, an EP called Goddess in Progress. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. And I had, you know, Homecoming Queen was on that and Because mm-hmm. I'm a Blonde and Earth Girls Are Easy. And then what happened was Warner Brothers, the – the film studio, they, they got the record and they said, these are so theatrical. Do you have any movie ideas? And um, I went in and I pitched Earth Girls because we thought of the movie while we were writing the song. Okay. And I pitched it and they bought it in the room, which wow. never happens. Oh never what does happens. that feel like? It's crazy. It's like you go, oh my God, show business is easy. I can do anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> Cut to me. You know, I was supposed to star in it. And oh, cut to, oh. like, after 24 drafts later, which was, like, just complete hell. I wrote Brutal. it with my writing partner, yeah. Then they go, you know what? You're not really a big enough star to star in this. And it was so crushing, you know. It's your story. I know, but that's what they said. And I was like, the only choice I had was to, I had it in my contract. I could not let them make it, or I could think of something else. So I pitched myself. 
as the the friend, the part I have, you know, mm-hmm. the girlfriend. Which I mean, I really love that part now, but at the time, I was like, oh my god, is this? I think that's when I first went into therapy because I was so disturbed by the whole thing. Yeah, that's it was, traumatic. It was very traumatic, and I didn't even know things like that could happen because I was like, you know, in my twenties, and I'm like, you, I just thought, okay, I made it. It's, you know, I thought it was so easy. So then the movie got made. And they also gave me, because they had to take Goddess in Progress off the market, they gave me an album deal. Okay. So it all ki- kind of went together. And then I did this album, Trapped in the Body of a White Girl, with all these different producers, which was, I don't know why they did that to me, but I worked with a lot of people that had worked with Madonna. So that's mm-hmm. why I would hear stuff about her. They still do that. That's how they package the artists, right? They like give yeah. them all, they, like you, they Frankenstein it with all these like amazing producers. and Right. That's what and you then- do. In the middle of the production of it, I went, I suddenly went, this does not feel like me. So I told them that I had to start going back. I had to just write some funny stuff. I had to go back to what I felt normal because I didn't, I felt like they were kind of trying to make me into a Madonna. And you like straight, no comedy at all? Well, a little bit of comedy, but kind of, I mean, I think they didn't know. Right. And then I suddenly went, I can't be like Madonna because I make fun of Madonna. Right. So um, I, I did the rest of the album. And then when, once it came out, um, they said, do you want to go on MTV to promote it? So I thought, okay. And I went out to MTV for, in New York for a week, right. They were going to have me be a guest VJ, but I thought at the time I took my writing partner with me and I went, I can't just act like these videos are fabulous. I have to like make jokes about them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it, mostly the BJs then would go, here comes Stevie Nicks with her newest hit. And they would, it was so straight and stupid. Yeah. I remember you changed it. Like, yeah, this is I, I like, ma- yeah, I was making fun of it. I was like, yeah. I pretended that Bon Jovi, like his fans were after me because he was really my boyfriend and I was calling him <laughs> the, the Bon Jovi is coming after me. And I, I just like made fun of everybody. I would start twirling like Stevie Nicks and um, I just made fun of the whole thing. And I thought they're either going to like it or hate it. Right. Yeah. But it was that feeling of you have to be yourself because it's really hard to be something you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand how to be like Martha Quinn, you know, so I made fun of it, and then they went, "We love this. Why don't you come be a guest VJ?" And then that was a really weird time. I I was supposed to go out there like six, uh, six eight weeks a year, and I developed a fear of flying. Oh, a really bad one. Have you ever had that? Mm-mm. Not well, me, but I have plenty of friends who have, and I fly with them to help. Yes, it's it's really was bad. And then yeah. um, I kind of kept saying, "I can't come out there now. I can't come out there." Um, and so they said, well, why don't we send a producer out to LA and you can do a show out there? Wow. Great. Isn't isn't that weird? Because MTV wasn't even happening out here. So they sent me this producer named Charlie Singer, who's like a great guy, wonderful guy. And we, he and me and Charlie Coffey, who's my writing partner, we would do the show just, you know, we were in charge of it completely. Like that never happens. Like there were no executives there. There was nobody there. And we did, would, you know, get a studio in the Valley and just shoot those. 
So it was a completely unique experience that never happens, right? That's so cool. I was wondering why that, because I was watching, like, and rewatching some of the old videos too, just like of you out, like, on Venice Beach and stuff. I was like, she's in LA. Like, and yeah. I just distinctly was like, oh, yeah, I feel like that's why I related. And, like, you know, the California girls vibe that you had of, of so much of all of that, that makes so much sense now. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, it's funny because that really came from, it probably wouldn't have happened if I wasn't suddenly terrified of airplanes. So. <laughs> Um, so that's how that came about. And then they liked it. So they just kept, you know, renewing it. And finally, weirdly too, is after like three seasons, how many seasons of it? Three seasons or it was like 44 episodes. I canceled it because I went, oh. this is too hard. There's, you know, there's no, there's not enough support for it. Like there's, you know, there's no budget, there's no anything. And and we wrote every episode, just me and Charlie. So it was just essentially too hard to do to do more than that, right? Right. So I, I guess it's that kind of catch twenty two of like you you don't have the people telling you what to do, but then on the flip side, you don't have those people giving you the support. Either. Exactly, exactly. And I went, I just can't because every time I do like seven shows in a row, and as soon as we finish, we do it in like three days. I feel like I had to go to the hospital. It was so, so, there was so much physical comedy and I got Well, you exude so much energy. Like you literally are like chewing the scenery, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like on these shows, like you were everywhere. (laughs) I was. That's the best part about it is I think that, you know, it translates that it's you, that it's really what your personality is. And that's what people really like about you. Yeah, it was because there was nothing else. But the, but the bad thing is like, you just, it can be so exhausting, right? Yeah. So tiring. So I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I don't know that anybody else would, I don't know if people wouldn't normally cancel their show. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to it do. It happens every now and again, like you and Dave Chappelle, like that's yes. like it, you know what I mean though? Like, yes, that's <laughs> so funny because like I was talking to somebody about that. They go, why would he walk away from his show? Like I go, Oh, I get it. I get it. Cause yeah, I think he had the same thing. I mean, he was getting a lot more money. But I think he st- still felt like this is too hard. This is yeah. just too hard, right? Yeah. Well, it's a combination of that. And it's like you are giving a lot of yourself. Yeah. And then just like there wasn't, I think you didn't honestly have this, a real support system either that yeah. was in place. And I think also too, there was just like a combination of like people not being in on the, like the way people were in on the joke. But yeah. That's a, a whole nother whole nother day of podcasting. Whole I wanna... <laughs> day. But I love I love Dave Chappelle. And whenever I mean he's so funny. And right. When, whenever he talks about that that show, I'm like, I oh, God, I totally get it. And I know most people just think that's insane. Right. Yeah. But it's like looking at Hollywood from the outside versus being inside, right? Because I'm sure what you thought growing up what Hollywood would be like is not what it's actually like, right? Not at all. I mean, it looks so easy and glamorous and mm-hmm. fun and and you know, parts of it are. It's like you don't want to sound like it's not or ungrateful because I feel so lucky that I've gotten to do some of these things. But I don't know why it's always so like exhausting and hard. Not always do people have that. Like you see some shows where the person just walks in and they stand there and they get say their lines. And I go, why can't I get a part like that? (laughs) (laughs) Because people want more of you because you sold yourself, Julie. I guess. Because it's your energy and your effervescence. That's why we hunted you down for this podcast, this crazy thing. We got you here because we just love your spirit. I think we've been inspired by that, you know, just in everything you do. And we see that you give so much of yourself. 
And that's, I think, what people want to be around. And I know sometimes it's hard to keep self-generating and regenerate yourself that way. But um, we're ever so grateful that you've done what you've done, you know? And also, like, that also, you know, that you've done, you did all of this stuff, you know, this was all your idea. This was all your you know, your concept and inspiration. So I think that, you know, as female creators as well, like how inspirational is that to have somebody who, even though there's always roadblocks, but to say like, this is my idea and what I want to do. Right. And I like, I, I so applaud female creators now, like, cause I go, I know that road. It's first of all, hard just in general, but if you're a woman, it's harder because people don't necessarily, there's like a given that you, you can't really do this. Right. And you have to convince them that you can do it, right? Right. I know. And you can. I mean, you're amazing. And and like so, and and you decided. We asked you what movie you wanted to talk about today, <laughs> and you chose one of our very favorite movies. Like we have, we're not. We are so excited to get into this with you. Okay, um, great. You have no idea, honestly, because we've done like a little mini thing for our Patreon once of this, just about uh-huh. we just talked about how much we loved it, but we didn't ever do a deep dive into it and like get into the more the nitty gritty. And it's literally like the aesthetic makes sense again because this feels like both y'all. I'm just like I I'm excited. I'm very. It's excited the best. It's the best movie. I love it so much. So, so we're today going to be we're talking going to- about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. So uh, if we could begin by telling uh, telling us uh, your the first time you saw it and like the history of what this movie means to you. Okay, I saw it. I was performing in San Francisco because I went to acting school up there, and that's the first place I started like doing comedy. And awesome. I was I was doing these shows with my with Charlie Coffey, my who was my performing partner and writing partner at the time. And I was performing all around San Francisco and it, it was hard, you know, it's hard to do that. So I had this boyfriend named Joey Segal, who's an actor, and he's actually the brother of Katie Segal. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah, I know she's wonderful. Great well, it's her too, yeah. Yes, she's incredible. Well, it's her younger brother was my boyfriend and he was so sweet. So he'd come to my shows and just see how like I was just killing myself to do all this stuff. And he'd go, okay, let's just go out. Let's just, he'd think of stuff for us to do. I mean, it was wonderful. Hmm. And he said, have you seen Rocky Horror? I go, no. And he goes, okay, we're going to a midnight show. And I knew nothing about it. Nothing. (gasps) I know. And this was blind virgin going in. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. He didn't tell me. He goes, you just have to see it. So this was, I don't know, in the early eighties. So we go to this theater, a midnight show in San Francisco and there's people dressed all these different, you know, like the characters. And I don't know that I'm just looking around and I'm going, what is happening? And then the movie starts and people, the fact that people were screaming out responses to the movie, just, I'd never seen that. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And the, the movie itself, cause I'm such a sucker for musicals. The mm-hmm. movie oh, itself yeah. is so incredible and the music is so great. Right. Yes. yes. So mm-hmm. like you get sucked in, like just when the first, the lips come on screen and they're singing, oh, hail you know, the lips, the lips are singing, you know, forbidden plant. Well, I don't know what the name of that song is. Um, science fiction science fiction, fiction. Yeah, that's right double feature yeah. that's right um they're they're singing that song and you're like what is this right and then the opening shot like it opens on a cross and yes. then you pan down to this church and there are and and barry bostwick is you know and and susan surrendered they're you know people at this wedding and they're very goofy right 
They're yeah. fun, fun, goofy. I mean, I think the campiness of this movie really spoke to me too, because there weren't tons of things that were campy like this, right? It's like making fun of the squares. Yes, yes, exactly. It, exactly, because they weren't being the squares. They were making fun of the squares by being the squares. Exactly. So yeah. they start singing this song. Um, um, which I wrote it down. I, I know all these songs. They start singing the song, I, The Road Was Round, I Planet. What is the name of the song? The... Uh, which one? Wait, the wait till tonight one. Oh, oh, uh, I'm no joker. Wait, I can't remember the name of it. Even though I could get to damn it, Janet. Damn it, Janet. I could sing along every word with it. Okay, right. Um, Yeah. So he proposes to her, and and she's kind of pushing him to like to propose, and then he does, and then you see that like Frank and if you know the movie, I didn't know it at the time, but that Frankenfurter and Magenta and Riff Raff are in our at the church and yeah, co- I just was rewatching yeah, and I, it blew my mind again too because I was like oh my god it's I never noticed this like I literally rewatched this to, to talk with you about this again I was like why did I never really notice that that's them at the beginning of the movie I know because <laughs> if you don't really if you don't really see you don't notice it and then they're posed like that painting American gothic yeah yes you know so and can I, can I ask the ladies a question here how yeah. would you feel about being proposed to right after your friend's wedding like as they've thrown um, away that seems- I, it seems really weird. <laughs> I would be but like, maybe like- we should go to coffee and talk about this. You know? <laughs> right? It's like, well, definitely a dude wrote this, right? So that's like, oh, you're yeah. like, yeah, you're like, yeah, because this would not happen. But also, I like the like chronology though of like she cu- catches the bouquet and then he's gonna ask because that's like in your mind, that's how you kind of want it to go. You're like, I got the bouquet, I'm I'm next, right? And yes, got exactly. Exactly. So it's just fulfilling a wish that's like. Right away, wish. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's totally the iconic girl dream, just yes. like that. And he's cute, even though he's very square. Yeah, um, he's really hot, cute, even though she's square. But exactly, we're, we're exactly. Get much, much less square as this movie. And much goes hotter, on. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, can I just mentioned the first time I saw this movie, uh, I was 12. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. My friend took me to a midnight screening when I was 12. That's uh, too young. No, I know. I know. I'm glad I was too young. Um, it just blew my mind because I had never conceived, like you had said, Julie, like there's people who like, it's more than just a movie. Like you're not just being passive. You're being active. Yeah. You're participating in the movie. And I never conceived that film could be that. Oh yeah. Me either. It was so uh, exciting. You know, it was like so exciting. Right. You guys didn't go to enough black movies growing up. That's all. <laughs> oh, I guess we, we it's did. It's a little it. different we... when you go to the theater and we're there with your family and they're like, you're like, can you please be quiet? <laughs> so, no, I didn't, but I, I feel like, loved it. So Rocky is like, yeah, the, the introduction for all, for all the rest of y'all to like call and response <laughs> in a movie, which I love. So let's do it. No, I, <laughs> I love I love that about it. I love that it's like everyone gets licensed and I don't feel bad about screaming in a movie. I love no, it. No, or dressing like a crazy person to go see yeah. it. Um, and um, the, the cool thing about it as well is that I've, I've seen it in different countries and the jokes change. And like over the years, the jokes have changed. Uh-huh. So they like constantly are like updated. Because I remember in Damn It, Janet, at the very end, uh, we used to sing, I love Shamu. And that was the end line. And I'm like, it's hilarious to us. But I'm like, nobody knows who Shamu is anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so so many things have to be so dated, right? I mean, even the movie's dated, but it it isn't because it's timeless, 
you know, and it's been comedy. playing nonstop since 1975, uh, pandemic aside, of course. Exactly. I realized that, that this is probably the first time where it's yeah. had to shut down. It but, makes me so you sad. Know, I know, but it'll come back. Doing it now. Yeah. It'll come back and everyone will be very excited about it. We will time warp again. Right. Yes, we will time warp. And so uh, this is my favorite song in the movie coming up. Uh, There's a light, which is uh, oh, I know. Janet, uh, duet. I have I have a dream of someday meeting a boy that we can sing this together. One day I it will know. happen. That's such a great song. And they're in this car, and it's raining, and their cars, their cars just. I don't know what happens to their car. They run over. <laughs> they get a flat. Yeah. Okay. How about uh, that? How about that? That's right. That's yeah, right. But it's like it's all suspicious though. And I was like, oh. Okay, this was this, this is like a setup because that yeah. dead end sign looks like somebody's kid made it in art class because yes. it's like all sparkly. <laughs> That's right. Right. And like they also have noticed so there's like all these motorcycles that are passing them. And they're like, I was like, wait, hmm, yeah. these motorcycles. Has this been a setup? Are these people helping? What's uh, happening? I know. Are they luring them to the castle? Hmm. Yeah. And it's it's got like campy lines like when he's like, what do we do? And he goes, didn't we pass a castle? Maybe they have a phone. I mean, I love stuff like, like that. Like, why so would much. a castle have a phone, though? Like, <laughs> it's like, I feel like a castle probably wouldn't have a phone. <laughs> a, count, a, a castle probably does not have a phone. But they they go up to singing that song. And then, like, when Riff Raff's in the window, sing, yeah. he does his part. That is so incredible, isn't it? Let's let's talk about the the wonder that is Richard O'Brien, if we can. Because oh my god! I mean, he wrote this show, he writes the music, and if I can just say it out loud, I find Riff Raff incredibly sexy. Oh yeah! Oh, okay. I agree. Smash. I agree. Wood smash! Oh god! Like especially so hot. especially space Riff Raff at the end. Oh goodness! Oh my god! And I actually I want to say I think his acting is better than Magenta's. I, I mean, that's weird, but he's so truly in character. Mm-hmm, you know, and she's putting it on a little bit, but he's like amazing. So I think that's why he's so sexy. I don't know. The, yeah, uh, no, it's the talent confidence. crush. Yeah, it's yeah. little talent crush and just like, and, and then his hit, high notes. Oh, yeah, the high that. notes. You mm. know, I saw him. I saw a play he did when I was in London when I was Ooh. around that time. I went there for the summer and they, I don't remember the name of it, which it just kills me, but it was like a different play. And he was in it and he'd written it. I'm like, I can't believe I'm seeing him. I mean, this yes. is amazing. I wish I remembered the name of it, but I don't. Yeah. What, did he um, destroy it? No, I think he did. They still do it, but nothing, you know. Is no, like I mean, this like, one. was his performance? Did he destroy yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was amazing. He was like, you're going, and it's in this tiny little theater. And he's just incredible. Like, he should have been a really giant star, I think. Don't you? Well, I mean, yeah. he. Li- this is, you know, the 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 pinnacle of film being immortal. That people have watched this movie every single week since 1975. That's pretty outstanding. Yeah, that's pretty. And it's incredible. got his name on the front of it, and they've done, you know, the stage show versions of it. I remember seeing it at when it was at the Tiffany Theater, which is no longer. Oh yeah, yeah. On Sunset, and um, David Arquette was Frankenfurter. For like, I went and saw it like ten plus times just to go see him do that. But Richard, I believe, stopped by because it's like his. It's Richard O'Brien's Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show or Rocky oh. Horror Show whenever you see it on stage. So it's you know it's it's he's immortalized with this with this show. Yeah, so I know. There you go. There like, you go. Honestly, so he's amazing. got that. I know. And it's um, also like this. You know this 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 whole phenomenon that like is up around this show is an invitation for all the outsiders and the weirdos to find their place as well. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the the theme of it, right? The theme of Mm -hmm. the whole thing is just be yourself, be your weird self. Yes. And to have a light, 
This is the light. Yeah. Yeah. A light in the darkness. It was so wonderful because there, I don't remember anything that came out like that around this time that had that same feeling, like be weird, you know, be any kind of sexuality you want. Yes. That too. It's like, you know, there's bisexuality going on and everybody's happy with it. Everybody's having a great time. It's It's just gender gender fluid. What do you call it if they're extraterrestrial and, or you built them in your lab? Is there like a term for that? (laughs) underneath the pansexual flag too okay I feel yeah like that's just a little embracing a little bit of everything yeah a little bit of everything yeah yes exactly exactly <laughs> hey i have that in earth girls like he's an alien oh, yeah. he has sex with her i know i think i think it makes sense um <laughs> just makes sense it definitely um, does i love uh, it and it, I, I love that <laughs> and all the time workers are multicultural too. Like I love that it feels like everybody kind of gets a, a spot in this. So. I know. Isn't that amazing? Like you look around mm-hmm. at the crowd that um and there's every kind of person. There's like every kind of person. And all their sizes, everything. Yes. Yeah. And so that was ahead of its time too. I don't know that they do that all the time then. Right. You know, so that was great. And then um they go inside and they go, what kind of place is this? And Brad goes, a hunting lodge for rich weirdos. And then, right? And then yes. they, they take their clothes off, right? They just yeah, take get their them clothes. naked, you got to. Yeah, get down to their underwear. And as yeah. they're all wet. Go, yes. And Brad, I mean, um, Barry Bostrick is wearing the tightest, tidy whities and, and it looks like he has a massive dick, right? Yeah, it, like it, it looks massive. It does. <laughs> And I'm so sad. Or whatever now or whatever. I was like, she did good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm just sad that tidy whities aren't in anymore because I think they're sexy. And I do too. I do too. But they'll they'll probably come back. You know, like how how many variations of underwear can there be? You know? They'll come back. Yeah. I'm I'm aiming for the tidy whities to come back and the the 80 shorty shorts are on my jam. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Those are amazing. Um, and fishnets and fishnets because then we get this fishnets. iconic entrance with oh. Frank and Furter. Like, oh this my is God. one of the best movie entrances I think of all. I time. was gonna say that I go this when I saw it, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that downbeat, and they're going, "Let's get out of here!" And you see this elevator descending with his shoes hitting the downbeat, you know, and you're going, "What's this gonna be?" And then he spins around, and he's. Like you go, I cannot believe I'm looking at this person, right? He's, his performance is crazy good. I just got goosebumps you just talking about it right now. <laughs> Honestly, because he'd done it on stage for so long too. So he's like this performer who had already lived in this like like character for so long and brings uh-huh. that to this performance right here. But then he kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit because he does look into the camera lens at some point and all of a sudden you're like, <gasps> He looked at me and he's I just know. Like, you can't even don't even know what to do with yourself. <laughs> I know he does that. There's one point where he looks in the camera and throws water at it. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's so great. And he, you know, I was thinking when I was listening to it this time, I go, he kind of sounded like he's sort of doing Tom Jones, mm-hmm. like a like a mm-hmm. campy version of Tom Jones. And it works so well. This so, is his performance, uh Tim Kerr's performance as Frankenfurter is in my top five performances on film of all time. Oh, full, me too. Me yep. too. That, that's I've why seen. when you said like in this and I went, I want to do this one because I'm trying to think of performances that I've loved that much. You know just what I mean? Electrifying and yeah. just on, you know, everybody in this movie's given it, but he's outgoing everybody by like thousands of degrees. By just thousands goes- of degrees. I mean, you can't look at mm-hmm. anyone else when he's nope. doing it, right? 
it feels dangerous, but he also feels like so vulnerable at the same time. Yeah. Like you get like he's like this like creature, otherworldly creature, like on the edge. Do you know yeah. what I mean though? Like, and also just like wanting to be loved and understood. So he's gone so far as to make something that could understand him and love him. <laughs> yes. You know, but That's it's like one way to look at it. Also, just you know. <laughs> has like a god complex and wants to like make his own perfect fuck buddy there's also that no 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 he just needs to be understood i'm telling you that's how i see it he wants to be understood as a person who wants a fuck buddy like yes. that but he like the perfect like- fuck buddy though so he makes a bear of a like biker dude and then he's gonna make a, a little man in some gold shorts with the yes tan. in the gold speedo and and the way rocky walks is so weird isn't it he like he likes I don't know he too many too many th- thighs too many thighs might be the problem maybe that is a too big of thighs <laughs> um, Terry doesn't think there is too thick I'm just biting my lip going mm, I'm thinking about them <laughs> I, I mean honestly if I have to choose between Rocky's thighs and Frankenfurter's thighs I'm sure I'm choosing Frankenfurter's especially oh, in yeah. the fishnets like I'm yeah. way more into that and he's just like sex on a stick. Isn't he? Isn't he? Yes. He completely is. And I remember being struck by that because you, you go, this person is dressed like a woman and a man at the same time and is really sexy, right? And I want all like, of it. Right? You want, mm-hmm. it's all of it great. Like you're like, I mean, that's how I felt. Like there's nothing the- I want, I don't want here. Yeah. <laughs> and those I big want. old pearl necklace that like those pearls are like huge and just, yes. I was just like, <laughs> Like the proportions of everything he's got is just like, it's it's a piece of art. And then exactly. even when we get upstairs to the lab and we get invited up to the lab, you know, and he's wearing the doctor's coat and they're like, you know, even, even, even in that lab outfit, I was like, even though you've taken away like the, the rest of the aesthetic of this body in the middle, mm-hmm. I'm still getting so much from that face and the way he curves the language and the letters yes. and the way he's saying words like proud. Oh, I yeah, can't proud, even. Proud. You know, I read about how, why he talked like that. He was yes. first doing Frankenfurter with a German accent. And okay. then he was on the bus and he heard some British woman who was over-exaggerating. And then he said, it's a, so it's a combination of that and his mother's phone voice. And so, because you go, that's the greatest voice too he's, that I've ever heard, right? Yes. So his speaking, yes. Voice, his speaking voice, but also just like uh, mom's phone voice, because we all know everybody's <laughs> phone voice is different from their real voice. It totally is. Exactly. Do do that? I don't know. I know. Uh, so we also get uh, training. <laughs> Meatloaf coming in, killing it with his 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 hot, hot duty. Duty, bless I my know. soul. He's so good too. I mean, he's just like fantastic. And when you have one scene and you're like, I'm just going to kill this scene like you ain't ever seen. Um, yeah. I was I was really into the. I was like that he's a greaser. I liked the like pompadour. Yeah. I kind of liked that he had a black eye. That might be where my like penchant for black eyes. <laughs> you have a yes. weird thing about that. She finds them very hot. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of get that. I kind of get Ooh, it. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes me feel not so weird, <laughs> but I think like there's 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 a lot of things like the that came from Rocky Horror. I feel like like the like the fishnets and the kind of like oh boys and fishnets. Oh, that's pretty sexy. I'm kind of yeah. into that. Julie, right. you saw this at the right time at twelve, I guess. Then it was like that awakening we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Julie, yeah. with your with your book of like oh all of a sudden something titillates my brain exactly uh, like something I never thought about or felt before. Oh my mm-hmm. god, right. Um, so then, then there comes the, the section of the sh- movie where it's like, everybody's having sex with each other. 
Yes. You know, Rocky and Frank and Frank goes into where Susan's bedroom is. And, and it was really funny. He humps her like twice and she goes, I was saving myself. (laughs) (laughs) What possibly happened? Right. Which is so funny. Yeah. That's like the era. Like, are you holding hands? Like, oh my goodness, you're filthy. You know, I know, I know, I know. And then they continue to actually do it. Um, And I love that they're being watched that Magenta and Columbia are just hanging out, watching them laughing. Like this oh, voyeuristic yeah. intentions. Oh, they tell you it's going to be voyeuristic intentions. I'm like, yes, yeah, we're all watching, watching. And why is there a, t- a weird TV system in the castle that everybody's watching everything on? You know what I mean? They're I all watching. The ultimate, the ultimate perviness, right? It's like every, yeah. not only is everybody going to have sex with everybody, but also you can watch anybody you want at any time. At any time. And then, yeah, Magenta and Columbia start like, I don't know what they're doing, but they look like they're doing something. Well, they look a little cozy. Yeah, they look very cozy in that. What about poor Riffraff? Where's poor Riffraff? Um, Well, he's the one who scared Rocky away with fire. He's plotting. He's in trouble. I think he's kind of in trouble. But um, and then Doctor Scott shows up in his wheelchair, which is really funny when Frank uses that giant magnet to make his wheelchair roll up the (laughs) stairs. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's so funny. Brilliant. It's so weird that track. I love that. I was like, oh yeah, this whole track of just like him riding up like a roller coaster almost. (laughs) There's so many things about this movie that really shouldn't work, and yet somehow it all does. Yeah, I I mean, it doesn't, like, watching it again, I'm like, this shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. Because, like, in normal, like, story structure, (laughs) it really falls apart. Um, It it totally falls apart. And then, like, out of nowhere after this, after they've killed Eddie and, and Dr. Scott shows up looking for Eddie, they suddenly go, dinner is prepared. And they go have, like, dinner. Like, but it's Is like it? the craziest, like weirdest, you know, like, um, I don't know, like uh, a vagabond supper because it's like all the cups are different. All the plates yes. are different. Like nothing matches. Like the whole service is all wrong. Isn't that funny? And we're, when Riffoff's mm-hmm. pouring wine, he just doesn't even aim for their glasses. He's just <laughs> no. like pouring it on the table, which is so great. No fucks, Riffraff. No, none. None. Um, he's not really, that's when you're like, oh, he's not really a servant. Like there's something else, like, you know what I mean? Something like, else. Else yeah. going on. So like, you're getting that through line. So I think I love like, it's like, oh, it's all the subtext of like, what's the dynamic of this group it really is. Exactly. Like, I just feel like yeah. everybody's in love with Frankenfurter. Yes. Well, as was the audience, you yes. know. As we, we all, all were. were that, yes, relate. Yes. We all. We all can relate. But I feel like 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 that, that through line of like the subtext of like, well, you have the, you know, Riff Raff and Magenta Columbia all want, have had Frankenfurt at some point, like want to be like the one, the special one, but never get to have that chance. But also yeah. we have, can we mention a little brother, sister, elbow sex going on during this movie? Oh, yeah. Elbow <laughs> sex. Elbow <laughs> sex. Isn't that weird? And, and you do, but see, that helps you go, oh, there's some other understory going on. Something else is happening, you know, because they're always doing their weird elbow hand thing, you know. Yeah, they're elbow greeting. And it's so it's yeah. like, yeah, there's something different about these people beyond that just being a weird rich person's hunting right. lodge, uh, right. so to speak. This, this is where we get into the horror part of Rocky Horror. Uh, oh, yeah. You, people do die uh, quite bloodily in this movie uh, after Eddie got chopped up with the axe. He is now dinner. He's, He's dinner. Now- He's the roast. Yes. He's that roast. And then, and then they the pull- table reveal of like, yeah, the table reveal. Like- is that just part of his body? Is there supposed yeah. to be like, a- okay, yeah, it's like I- they I- parts of it. He's not yeah. all there. 
He's not all there. Like part of his leg is the, is the roast. Like they did something. a rump roast is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's rump roast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. And then this is the part where they go, they like, he turns everyone into a statue. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, like why? Why does that happen? He, I guess he feels like he's been betrayed, right? Like everybody who was supposed to be serving him is actually not really serving him. And Brad and John have gone too far. They're going to like bring down everything that he's been working for. Dr. Scott knows too much. They yeah. all have to go down. I they all have to become move. a statue, which is super weird. And then they're all singing the lyric, you're a hot dog and you better not try to hurt her Frankfurter. And you're going, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and then so they start it's super surreal though like i love that like how could you frankenfurter hot dog like it, no. it's, it's insane it's like it's so funny because if you were if i were writing that show mm-hmm. i would go i better think of something better than that <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like a placeholder right like it's yes, like we're gonna ex- do this here ex- this we're just placeholder for now exactly but at the same time i just love it i love it so much and that's, I think that's why we th- feel like this movie shouldn't work because like it has such a specific fucking tone that if you oh. don't hit it just right, it's going to be terrible. But I think like- It's just so absurd. Yeah, it's a, the absurdity. Everybody gets it. I think that's why it works. Um, I wonder who had to build those uh, quite sexy nude statues of everybody. Oh. Like, where are those now? Yeah. And did they, po- did they actually pose for them or, you know, get a, get a, a cast made for them? You know, right. it does Where? It does look pretty similar when they do switch. Yeah, it does. Right. Have you ever had to do any of that kind of like, body yes, pass, face yes, pass I did. It's so terrible. Oh, I, us, please. I did this show called the edge that was on Fox in yeah, the yeah. early nineties. And, um, the producer who was my boyfriend at the time, it was just crazy. And he wanted everything to look like you had to look like the person. So they had this girl who would build, um, you know, what is it? The, what do you call them? Prosthetics of everybody you'd play. So she'd make you come in and sit for it. And then you get, she'd make the prosthetic and then she'd glue it to your face. It was just a nightmare. And the worst one was, I was playing like a troll doll. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, my God. I know. And she, in her brilliance, decided, I'm just going to make it fit like a glove over her head. So she just made it. She didn't even like glue it. She just put it on my head and started gluing it. And then I had a panic attack in the head. And... um and <laughs> I was, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing someone in a troll mask having a panic attack. Which I, I know. It, sorry, it, it is. It probably was. I mean, because I had this big pink hair coming out of it. And I said, I can't do it because I was working. That show was too hard. Another thing that was too hard. And I was working all these insane hours. And I said, I can't do it. Take it off my head. Take it off my head. So they cut it off my head. And then she had to remake it with just so that it fit on my face. And she was super bitter. The prosthetics girl. Like, I was a baby because I couldn't have a... No, it's stressful. I get oh. claustrophobic about that too. I'm like, I've always wanted to be like in like one of those like Star Trek things or like be like a Klingon or something. But also yeah. like that terrifies me to do that kind of like prosthetic work. It's so much. It's so horrible. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I did the whole show was like that. So I do kind of... And then they she was always making me do casts for things. And I just hated it. <laughs> so I have done it. Um, okay. I have done it. Um but, but do you to... wish you had one of these cool Rocky Horror statues? I would fresh. love that. I would, would I mean, I would, would put want? it in the, um, hmm. I think Susan Sarandon looked pretty yeah. great. 
And yeah. then I would I would dress it up and keep it in my house, right? Right. It could be like your, your Christmas Janet. <laughs> yes, that would be so great. I would, that would be great. Um, then they do this thing in the show where they go, "Are you ready for the floor show?" Like, yes. What like, is that? It, like, like you've been waiting for the floor show the whole time. Yeah, and you go, okay, now the plot is just not there at all, right? <laughs> just not there and then Completely. they do this show in an empty theater but they're all wearing gar- car and garter belts and singing hot, about hot, right they look super hot oh my and- god brad in this outfit oh i know i know right and they're singing like that they you know they're sexy and stuff so you go okay they they're kind of they're getting it what this movie's about right yep then he just all transitioned to- now yeah, like they had to go through it like- this joyous freedom in a way, yes. right? Like they've been transformed from the, these square prudes into these people who now know themselves and know they want to explore and are like happy to be adventurous and together right. as well. Right, exactly. Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. pleasure yes, yeah. okay. And then don't dream it, be it, which is yes. like that, that, those two sentences are like the theme of the whole thing, right? That yep. they're, that just be and be in what you want to be in and just don't think about it, just do it. So I think that's why it resonates with so many people mm-hmm. because every, everyone, especially when this came out and the, the whole time, pe- people feel repressed. And if somebody's going, you know, fuck that, just be who you are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have so many gay friends that like adored this movie and I, you know, everybody feels somewhat like that, but I think it's really liberating for so many people. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's like got a gay wedding, like Rocky and Frank, like they literally have like they yes. play the matrimony music and it's like, there's a gay wedding on screen. Like, holy crap. You're like, right. And I it's didn't even like, think no, about they don't that. even like, they don't even treat it like it's, you know, it's like not a thing. Like, it's just like, it's this joyous occasion and Frank's excited and like, they have a beautiful gay wedding and then they go off like right into an altar of like where they have hot, <laughs> like gay sex. And I was like, oh yeah. my God. Yes. Give me You're more. Right. I need more. This movie is amazing. This is fantastic. Yeah. And, and um, then uh, they that's when Riff Raff comes in in his hot costume. Oh, my God. Space Riff Raff. I can't even space tell you. Well, they're giving you Space American Gothic because his yes. little laser looks like the pitchfork again. And I was like, it, oh. yeah. Oh, you're right. I didn't even realize that. That's oh, my God. Again. They did it that, like a few different times. They do it like three different times. And I was like, oh, American Gothic is the theme. Oh, but- you're right. I Thank mm-hmm. you. I did not get that. Um, so we, good. We, we not only get him in his sexy space costume, but it's also now he has come into himself and now he's the boss. Yeah. Very much. Um, and, you know, and, and is going to, I love his little song here about like he's never been appreciated. We're going home now. Uh, and so this is where we realize that they uh, actually are aliens uh, from this uh, galaxy and they are actually trans transvestites is the name of their race. So, right. <laughs> so it's not actually, it is about transvestites, but also about transvestites. And I'm like, there you go. It's, it's about aliens is all it's really about. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, it's everything because they, someone says like that they're from the planet transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania. And you're like, mm-hmm. but they say something different at another time. So it's really about all of that. You know, it's like it's all the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then Frank trying to get away climbs on that curtain. They he, has been, down. he has a big song first about how he's going, going home. home. This is like you're oh, like yeah. up. epic. That Ugh. is so good. That is such a great song. I mean, it's a it's a the great 
you know, end of the show ballad. It's so fantastic. This is where I got my thesis of acceptance, ladies. You guys know you were laughing at me earlier about his like ego complex. But if you listen to the words of this song and about trying to find a place where you feel like you belong and you go home to and going home to yourself and feeling that like connection, he was trying to recreate this in this other place where he was never going to feel accepted. So it's like you've got don't dream it, be it. But you've also got this going home. So like it's like all these things of just like self-love and also where do you find your place? And I just the message of that, I like cry every time. It's so good. I know. I mean, that song does make you cry, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like it hits something. You go, oh, yeah, I feel that like that feeling being accepted somewhere. So all you need is like a close up of his face and he just there it is. Here's your part. And um, then, yeah, yeah, it gets kind of actiony here, right? We have like the climb on the tower, the RKO tower. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, and then I guess Rocky's climbing with him. He gets try, yeah, trying to save sh- him, or what? He gets shot, and then yeah. he's like, trying to get away with him. Yeah, he's trying to save him. He doesn't know better because it's his first day alive, and he's oh, got no clue right. how anything works. He's like seven hours old, right? So it's <laughs> yes, like, that's right. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not. Also, he's also only got half a brain, remember? So it's like <laughs> yeah. they split his brain. So it's like, oh, he yeah, that's really right. Know. He's he, he's like, this looks like I could get away. Great. And he yeah. climbs up there, but then it's perfectly positioned to drop them back into the pool. Right. And then they're uh, all floating in the pool. And I love uh, when Riff Raff shoots uh, Frankenfurter and you, I thought you liked him. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. he never liked me. Like, so just like, no, I think he liked you. Like, they liked That's you. so funny. It's like a big mistake. Yeah, he did oh, like you. Poor Riff Raff. I know, I know. Oh, and, and then they sing Time Warp again. Yeah. So, do, it's, it, so it's just going to all, like, it's a circular thing. It's just going to keep on going. Are they going to go back to their planet? I don't know. What's what is Brad and Janet's life going to be like now? Can we can we talk about that? What happens? Oh next? yeah, when they get left, they get left. They yeah. get left in the dirt with Doctor Scott. They're just in the dirt when the p- castle blasts off. Yeah, the entire <laughs> the castle's a spaceship. The castle's a spaceship. Um, yeah, what's going to happen to them? I think what you you feel like is that they have greater understanding of themselves, right? Like right. Ev- everyone does, has a greater understanding of their, that they could like a lot of things, not just the standard thing. So, I mean, it's such a genius movie. It is without, you know, when you're just watching, you're watching, these things are coming at you. But later you think about it, you you leave with that feeling like, oh, okay, everything's all right. Everything I want to do is okay. You know, yeah. I don't have to judge it. Because it's not the standard thing. Right. So it's so good. I feel like Brad and Janet might start their own kind of like Frankenfurter place. Yeah. So like we're in new people. Like the yeah. the disciples on earth now. Yeah. Yeah. And she wants more, 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 more. (laughs) And they'll be swingers or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're starting the key parties in their block now. Like that's Yes. Yes, exactly. Nineteen seventy five. It's prime key party time. (laughs) Yeah. And that's um, it. That's it. That's the movie. And it sounds crazy when we're describing it, but if anyone hasn't seen it, you must see it. It's it's genius. And I know that's weird to recommend this in 2021 when pandemic is whatnot, but I would say if you can see it at midnight with a crowd, that is definitely the way to see it. As There's a movie by itself. Doing it right now. There's drive-ins doing it right now. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, they probably not are, the same right? yet, but they are. Yeah. 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 Trying yeah. to keep it going for those who have seen it. I recommend if you haven't though, wait. 
Get your vaccinations and get to the theater <laughs> when you can go because, oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's a motivation to get your vaccination, right? So you can <laughs> yeah, see so we can this. like time warp with all our friends again. Yes. Yes. And well, then thank you, bring you. The one, you bring the ones who don't know, you put virgin on their forehead and then, you know, everybody has a good time. <laughs> I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this movie. This makes oh. me so happy. Thank you for letting me talk about it. I mean, I, I I absolutely love it for real. So it wasn't like, you know, I had to make up something. I mean... <laughs> no, that's the best when you don't have to fake like you like it. You actually like it. So that's yeah. why we're, we're here. Oh my gosh. We don't have to fake like we like you either because we are obsessed with you. Oh, Julie. thank you. You yes. guys are so, so fun. Much. Thank you. Can I had we a ask you just a couple of uh, quick horror movie questions before we head sure, out? Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite horror movie? Um. Well, that's it's hard. I mean, I like The Exorcist, which is mm-hmm. pretty classic, right? Just because I like the structure of it. I think yeah. it's brilliantly structured. Um, but I like different things for different reasons. Um, they, I haven't been able to watch them since I had this child, this child that I have, because he doesn't like horror movies. Okay. So I have to sneak them. So <laughs> I, I would say I like Halloween. Um, not all of them, but some of them. And I like, I guess, The Exorcist and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. And um, I guess if there's some element of humor, those are the ones I've liked. Yeah. Well, com- comedy yeah. horror is a, is a subgenre jam. unto itself. Yeah. And we jam. really like. Yeah, we love it. Right. I love it. We are so our the theme of our podcast is horror movie survival guide, right? Is like how right. do you survive a horror movie? So right. if you what kind of tips would you have if someone was trying to survive a horror film? Well, um, first of all, I'd probably think you should watch a lot of them before you <laughs> so you so you get tuned in and you never I mean you probably know this, you never go into a basement or a back room alone. Um especially if you're a cute girl who's dressed skimpily. Yeah. Um, if, if someone calls you on the phone and they're creepy, you call, call back, call, hang up and call 911. Yeah. Um, let's see what else is important. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of important to have some kind of self-defense skills or at least have an idea how to use a knife, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe some axe training. Oh, huh. Yeah. There are lots of axe throwing places that are, it's very popular now. Exactly. Yeah. So you should probably do that. But I also just think like, don't scream and just be stupid if you're a girl, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because why, why scream? First of all, what's that going to do? And sit there and go, what is the correct thing to do right now? How will I get out of this? Don't just flip out. Right. Well, yeah, well, the first thing you said is watch a lot of horror movies, right? It's, this yes. is what we do. Is we feel like you watch enough and you'd be like, okay, if you find that stuff in that situation, you'd be like, I know what this is. Right. I know how to get out of this. Right. So what's your what's your most important tips? Uh, don't have sex. Don't do drugs. Uh, oh, never yeah. say you'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't split the party. Yeah. Oh, don't split the party. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the big ones. Don't dance naked in front of a closet. I'd say, oh gosh, because you're going to get your eye shot out with an arrow, maybe at some point. Anywho, thank you so much. Thank you guys. That was really fun. We appreciate the tips. Is there anywhere that we can find you online? Uh, Well, juliebrown.com. And then I have a lot of my videos are on my YouTube channel, which I think is 
I'm trying to remember. It might be Miss Julie Brown or it's just Julie Brown. I'm not sure. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> just Google it, kids. Um, you'll find it. Like they you'll come find up, right it. up on the top. Yeah. If you just write my name in, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of stuff on there, the different sketches and videos and stuff that I've done. They're so great. Thank oh. you. Thank you Thank so you. much. This was a total blast. We were so happy to talk to you today. Uh, you rock. Thank you, you rock guys hard. so much. So thank much. you, audience, for, for listening to us today. Check us out on all the socials you know, Horror Movies Bavagod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and our Patreon.com slash Horror Movies Bavagod if you want to support this podcast so we can get more wonderful guests like Julie Brown and more <laughs> um, and keep this show going and alive and well. Thank you so much. And check out our merch store at Teespring as well um, on our website, uh, Horror Movies Bavagod, the podcast. All right, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye. Bye.